Welcome to All Things Wolverines, a Wolverine sports podcast for the people, by the people. Enjoy expert analysis, entertaining discussion, and the pessimism of true Michigan fans. Get ready for All Things Wolverines. Welcome to All Things Wolverines, Brandon, Cousin Kyle, and Nate celebrating and recapping a 30 to 24 Michigan victory over an Ohio State University going up against a um, man, uh, private investigator as coach. I mean, how did Ohio State manage to only have a coach who's a private investigator in Ryan Day while we had to use our um, offensive coordinator, Sharon Moore. So really interesting matchup of coach. Oh, wait, he is their head coach. That's right. Um, side hustle PI. But uh, welcome. We are so excited. We are having fun. Uh, three years in a row. Nate, get us in. What was your one big takeaway um, from the game? Oh, well, Brandon, it's great to troll the side of things. I can't tell you how many times I've just uttered out loud or in a text that I'm having a good day um, since Saturday, just like a child uh, at their birthday party. That's just kind of the the feeling that I, I imagine most uh, U of M fans have experienced ever since that glorious afternoon. I've been a fan since I was seven years old. The first play I saw, the first game I watched was Desmond Howard's diving stab against Notre Dame. I live in Indiana. Notre Dame fans are annoying. All their parents saw that 1989 national championship game of Notre Dame. And they thought, wow, you know, what a, what a great school. And then I love the helmets, fell in love with the colors, the players, the coaches, and then watching them beat Notre Dame on that day. This was my team. Fast forward here. I am 39 years old. I couldn't have been more proud. That's the most proud I've ever been watching Michigan, uh, knowing everything that they've been up against. But can you imagine being affiliated with the program and the pride and gratitude that they must feel for themselves. I have to say the names of the men that actually stayed. We've got Jalen Harrell, Mikey Sainer still, Quentin Johnson, Makari Page, Max Bredesen, Zach Zinter, Trevor Keegan, Trenty Jones, Braden McGregor, Michael Barrett, Blake Corum, Rod Moore. Those who portaled over, Hinton, Nugent, Turner, Stewart, Henderson, Wallace, Barner, and Tuttle. The coaches didn't go for more money at a school with less culture. Those who stayed, man. This team won six games without its head coach. This team, I've never seen anything like it. From Harbaugh, taking conversations with the NFL last year, to Burgergate, to Cade being weird on the way out the door, to this whole Stallions thing, to the three-game suspensions of the coach, to the conference and the big-mouth broadcasters looking for clicks saying this only happened because of signs, to the Zinter injury, they did this. They led this team better than 99% of coaches and organizations wish they could lead at this level, and they don't because this is rare. You can't buy your way into this. This is such a good feeling. Um, and, you know, I'm ignoring the stereotypical part of my brain that tells me to be concerned because of how all this feels, right? I mean, as a Michigan fan, we've been conditioned to be like, okay, but what's going to happen tomorrow? Um, and I'm just ignoring that because, man, it's just it's so encouraging and fun and enjoyable. And I don't want to miss out on it because life is very short. And here I am at 39 
Last time I felt this good was my freshman year in my college dorm when John Navar and Braylon Edwards beat Ohio State in 2003. That's the last time I have felt confidence about a game. And uh, when you lose that consistently and you now have won three in a row, you now are at the place where you feel, okay, we're the kings again of the Big Ten. And it just, it feels so good. So watching those men who could have went to the NFL draft, transferred somewhere else for more playing time, and no one would blame them for doing those things. It doesn't make the other people that made that choice bad. It just deserves our gratitude, our appreciation, and to celebrate and to say go blue to those that stayed, fought through, and man, it's really great to be a Wolverine. Those are my thoughts. Hot opener right there. I'm ready to just go run through the wall right now. I'm so excited. Um, I love it, Nate. I love it. Love the enthusiasm. Here we are three years in a row. Cousin Kyle, what say you? What was your big takeaway from the game and just, you know, from the collection of this season so far? Yeah, I think my my one big takeaway is just that that Michigan has finally flipped this rivalry back to their favor and you know because last year or or winning in 2021 you know it's a one-off we did that in 2011 and that didn't change anything um winning in 2022 was big right and and we used some big plays to win and and 2021 and 2022 were like double digit victories which is very satisfying in, in, in its own right but i think this year uh, was a year that this game was it was fairly even and we have lost all of the fairly even games that we've played in recent memory uh, 2012 was uh, a fairly even game and that was when Denard uh, could not throw the ball at all so they just had to use him as a running back and Devin was the Devin Gardner was the starting quarterback we lost that one in, in pretty heartbreaking fashion 20 or 2013 when Devin Gardner just sacrificed his body uh, we lost that one that, you know, we were going for two. We could have tied it to go to overtime. I think we made the correct call to go for two, but we just didn't get it. So we lost uh, 2016. We don't need to revisit that. Even 2017, I thought, even though it ended up being a double digit loss, we played, we had the better game plan. We just had John O'Corn, unfortunately, as as the starting quarterback and couldn't connect with Chris Evans on a fourth and six pass that, most every other quarterback we have could have made. So it's like, this was a game that, that we've lost in the dark ages and we won. we came away with that victory. And uh, interestingly, I thought that their game plan um, and my initial thought anyway, was that they kind of approached this game like they approached every other game, which is their superior. They had the superior talent uh and so no big risks or chances were taken even though we had obviously a couple more i guess more like tricksy plays than ohio state did but i don't think any of that was big risk um i actually would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more flair out of the offense especially on that last drive but just overall yeah so good so good and i kept thinking about what brandon said last week which is this is the end of an era and, you know, the, the 12 team playoff is coming and, and, you know, some people put out like, Hey, if it was here this year, this is what this would look like. Ohio state would, would be in the playoff and, and they would potentially play as it stands right now, 
they'd be playing, I think, Washington if they won their first game. We would have to win the or play the winner of Penn State and uh, somebody else. You know, it's like I don't actually look forward to that. I'm an old man, and and I, you know, prefer the way things used to be. Uh, but since this is the end of an era, I'm just glad Michigan came out on top because, you know, as Nate said, it validates everything that these kids have done and fought through so many awesome kids that have stuck around and, and you can just love this team's culture. And, uh, it makes all those people freaking out about the worst scandal in college football or even American history with sign gate just makes them look really, really dumb. Uh, and so, yeah, just, just deeply satisfying on so many levels. It is deeply satisfying. Thank you, cousin Kyle. For me, similar to what Kyle was saying, you know, this team has faced significant adversity and distraction. Um, it's kind of been the theme, you know, since the beginning of the season of all this off the field stuff, nothing that has anything to do with Michigan players. Right. Um, but then the on-field adversity really started to pick up in this game. You know, Will Johnson going out, who was doing a pretty solid job on the best wide receiver in college football, um, you know, obviously had that pick early, which was just massive. Um, and then Ohio State grounds and pounds for a TD in the third quarter, you know, taking up a bunch of clock, which has not happened against Michigan's defense all year. Um, then the awful Zach Zinner injury, um, prayers for Zach for an amazing flawless recovery, um, over the weeks and months ahead. But in that moment, not only do you lose your all world guard, uh, you could tell that the heart and soul of the team just kind of fell out. You know, everyone was thinking of their friend, their teammate, uh, the leader of this team, the soul of this team. And, um, you know, someone who came, uh, like Nate said, you know, he decided to come back. He totally could have gone to the NFL last year, comes back to Michigan for unfinished business, his final home game, then in a flash and in a moment, not only for himself, but his teammates are all realizing this is his last college football game ever, um, just taken in that moment. And then as Joel Klatt shared, the Michigan crowd's response uh, you know, we couldn't get it all but during the commercial breaks, but you saw it as we came back, just the they're chanting, let's go, Zach. Um, there's a buzz back into, you know, the atmosphere. Very next play, Quorum, 22 yards, rushing touchdown. Not to mention Trente Jones and Barnhart moving to guard. They responded so well. And then to end the game with no Will Johnson in, beautiful redemptive thread, Rod Moore, who has had an up and down season, you know, injured early in the year, all that stuff seals the game with a pick. So for me, the one big takeaway is Ben Herbert, the preparer of physical and mental toughness. You deserve as much credit for this win as anybody else. As these guys not only had the mental toughness throughout the season, but then that was kind of a microcosm happened in that second half of the game with all this adversity coming on the field and watching them work through it in every level, you know, on a football level, but even on a human level as they watch one of their best buds go down. Just incredible. Uh, ben Herbert, thank you for all you've done 
for the program. All right. It wasn't all uh, rainbows and unicorns and butterflies, though. Uh, this was a tough, brutal game. Talk to us, you know, Nate, what was your pessimism as this game was happening? What were those moments that uh, our classic Michigan pessimism gets the best of us? What was the moment or two for you in this game? Um, Yeah, <clears throat> for me, this is, first of all, I think so many times, you know, you, you talk about how bad your teams looked, but truthfully, this is the best Ohio State defense we have seen prior to, gosh, I don't know. 2016 maybe since the Boses left probably um they're just solid across the board and i think Knowles was the right person for them to hire so credit to them you know uh, on having a, a good plan however that didn't stop a seven minute drive at the end of the game i'll digress uh i'll say this i feel like the one big pessimism for me is when it happened and i, I one of you shared it sorry i can't remember who but Will Johnson going down was certainly the moment my heart sunk into my chest because, as we all know, with Zinter going down, it was devastating just as a team collective. From a depth perspective, it's not really concerning. Barnhart's more of a natural guard anyway. So I wasn't as concerned there. Also, Trente Jones has been very serviceable. We've talked about this. So, yes, it goes down because it's your best player on the team, arguably, but the depth is there as a position group. Well, Johnson going down, as we've said, um, don't have as much confidence there as a team. And we're going up against the best receiving group we're going to have, right? Ohio State's receivers are arguably the best potentially in the nation and certainly the best in the Big Ten um, and certainly the best that we've seen. And, and knowing going into the fourth quarter, not putting the game completely away, that was the concern I had. But um, we'll see how he's feeling the weeks ahead. Um, I still don't officially know to this point if anything's been reported. I know he said he's working through it. Um, I personally want to see him not play this week against Iowa because it's Iowa and we don't necessarily need cornerbacks <laughs> for that. So, uh, yeah, until, you know, I'm trying to go through my list of Iowa quarterbacks in my head that we should be concerned about walking through that door and I can't find any. So I'll just say, um, Ray Guy was that a punter? Uh, anyway. Drew Tate. Chuck, Chuck Drew Long. Tate. Chuck Long was a quarterback. Drew Tate. Drew, Drew Tate. <laughs> sure, Drew Tate. He's not walking through that door. I wish Cade was. Um. Anyway, so that's us, and uh, yeah, that's my concern. Where's Will Johnson's health going to be? Get him ready for the playoff. Uh, let's dominate uh, next week against Iowa and moving ahead. But that that was my concern. What did you guys get concerned about, Kyle? Yeah, I think in general, you know, as as a fan, you're just terrified the entire game. Uh, and, you know, if you have some sort of smart watch, if you check that during the game, I bet you were at your peak, like, heart rate. You know, your watch might have even been telling you you're about to die. Like, you need to, to calm down. Um, but I think that the true pessimism sunk in on that last drive. I really felt like... Um, you know, obviously what Nate said about when Zinner went down, it, you, you just all the air comes out, but then immediately Blake Corum breaks off a 22 yard touchdown run. And so you didn't have time to be as pessimistic, right? Cause it was like bang, bang, like obviously the, the time it's, it's spent, um, getting Zinter off the field and, and, but you know, the range of emotions there, but then bam, Blake 
runs for a touchdown. And you're like, all right, feel good. And then three and out feel great. Uh, field goal. Uh, okay. Not as great. Uh, Ohio state scores a touchdown. Uh, don't feel great about that. But then Michigan goes on the seven minute drive and you're like, we could ice this away. Like we just need one more first down. And I just felt like the, the play calling went back to what it had been against Maryland and, uh, Penn state. And I really would have liked to have seen, especially on that third down, just taking a chance maybe, and, and, and maybe rolling JJ out, giving him a potentially safe throw, uh, to a tight end or run it, you know, like, I I don't know. I, that, that was my pessimism because I had said last week that I thought Michigan was going to lose this game by a point 31 to 30. We were up 30 to 24 after that made field goal, we kicked the ball. And then, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. I just, he's just so good. And we didn't have Will Johnson on the field as Nate said. And, and, you know, they have two plays in a row where like that first play if Kate Stover catches it. That's actually better for Michigan. I wish he would have caught that. Cause that would have at least gotten seven to 10 seconds off the clock. Uh, I would have felt better, much better about that than the incomplete pass. And then, you know, they hit a big pass, pass play to Marvin Harrison. Then they get uh, a fumble recovery that wasn't a catch, was it not? I think at the end of the day, I do think that that was a catch if Roman's touchdown catch was a catch. I, I think, you know, the the whole, like, debate about what is a catch and what isn't just is so confusing. Uh, so I don't mind. I guess at the end of the day, I don't mind that they called it a catch. Uh, because Roman's touchdown was a catch. I think it was a catch. So I don't mind that they called that at least somewhat consistently, but just the bad luck of not recovering the fumble. Right. And because if it was, <laughs> if we recovered it, we're definitely all saying, yeah, that's definitely a catch. So um, then for the very next play for Rod Moore to get that interception for Jalen Harrell to get in, uh, it was just the, the tension, the release uh, it was so beautiful, but that was my pessimism. And, you know, to Nate's point, yeah, I mean, Iowa, oof, they're, they're over under for the first half for points is 0.5. Like Vegas does not think Iowa will score in the first half, which is I'm inclined to think that they will at least get a field goal, but like that is hilarious. So anyway, uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but that, that was my pessimism. Yeah, similar pessimism for me. I will say on the best throw I've ever seen from a college football quarterback from JJ to to Roman on the TD, I will say my pessimism kicked in because I was like, wait, why are they reviewing this? He caught it at like the four and a half yard line and then made it to the goal line. Four and a half yards is a lot of yards to traverse. And then the Ohio State defender's hand comes in when the ball is past the goal line. And so that to me was a little different situation. But in my head, I'm thinking this is totally this is totally going to get be overturned and be the biggest bullcrap call of all time, because there's no way you have enough evidence to overturn that. And so um, the fact that it was ruled that on the field, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then the third and six happens for Michigan on the kind of our final drive before we kneel it out left me thinking, why not a JJ RPO? It just feels set up. Like we didn't really have him, you know, keep the ball often. 
and we just settled for the field goal. And I was thinking in my head, there's a lot of time for Marvin Harrison Jr. to do work. And then he started doing work. Ohio State's driving. They catch. And obviously, if they call that an incompletion, there's no way they can overturn it. They called it a catch and a fumble. And similar to you, Kyle, I was like, okay, this is kind of a weird play, controversial. But of course, the fumble goes directly to another Buckeye. And I'm thinking, wow, this is it. We're going to lose because we didn't go for it. Or we didn't go for a pass play on third and six. Um, And then, you know, but that was, you know, 2015 Michigan, 2016 Michigan, 2017 Michigan. And now we're, you know, 21, 22, and 23 Michigan. And so, of course, Rod Moore comes up with the play. And even that, Buckeyes were trying to scream that it wasn't a pick. And it was very clearly an interception. That was his elbow uh, on the ground that people were screen grabbing and all this stuff. It's like you can watch every time, and that is a clear interception. So, uh, yeah, lots of pessimism there. And then jubilation, so much jubilation at the end. All right, give us your overanalyzed, Nate. What were some things that you were seeing, some trends? What were you looking at here? Um, yeah, honestly, I thought it was, I think Kyle said this earlier, but I, it wasn't one of our top game plans of the year. And I don't, I think that was intentional. I think they, they felt as a team, let's just run our offense. Um, I, I thought the seven minute drive finishing in a field goal. Yes. It would have been beautiful to finish as the clock expires and winning by three, but I think we wanted to cover, um, as a program. And uh, wanted to give money to those that bet for us. I think that was an encouraging sign. Good for us. Uh, no, but I mean, obviously, Ryan Day, in his arrogance, probably felt like their defense, which had played well to that point. They underestimated how solid and enduring our offensive line can push you down the road in the fourth quarter. It wears you down. They couldn't stop it. Blake Quorum got stronger as the game went on. And I was frustrated a little bit during the game. And I've heard others express similar sentiments about the Sharon Moore play calling. But remember, he's offensive coach, offensive line coach, and he's head coach. So his energy can't be spent in all these different places that he typically does. But uh, as I was celebrating, having my Lagavula neat scotch at the end of the game by my lonesome, as my kids were at a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese, uh, I thought, holy crap. They have genuinely saved their best play calls for the playoff games. And I think that's encouraging because last year we couldn't have said that, right? We, we pulled out a lot of stops last year. They had a lot of really big plays. Um, but yeah, outside of the Alex Orgy offensive run uh, a couple of times in a row, after the fourth down conversions, the Donovan Edwards halfback pass, which he's three for three, by the way, for 100 yards, which is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I, I think... They're saving their best for the playoff games because it's championship or bust this year. We said this at the beginning of the year. I think we all agreed with that. But the coaches are just betting on themselves. They believe in themselves, and they just didn't think Ohio State was good enough to stop it. So they didn't bring out their best stuff. They really brought out their table red wine instead of their Cobb Sauvignon from uh, France, if you will. But uh, it's just really fun to observe the very vanilla strategy that we had, and it was good enough to beat the number two team in the nation. So 
cheers. That was really fun to observe, I think, just not having to bring your best to the table to beat a top two team. That's what I saw. Mm. I love the <laughs> we brought the table wine for Ohio State. I love that. That's a put it on a t-shirt. Print the shirt. Print the shirt. All right, cousin Kyle. What's your overanalyze? What were you seeing in this game? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this a lot yesterday when I was sort of making my notes for today. And then I went and read um, Seth, Seth Fisher on MGO blog, which, you know, you should read everything that he has to has to write. Uh, go read his next Sharpies on MGO blog, because I was going to complain about the lack of JJ running. Like I was just like all game, like, where is this? What, what is going on here? And Seth just beautifully, you know, describes how Ohio state really took that away. Like they had a great defensive game plan. And and we'll talk a little bit more about Ohio state uh, in, in our next segment. But like, I think that, you know, this Seth, so he described it as basically these were like NFL coaches and NFL game plans much more so than college. And so since my dumb complaint uh, has been answered, I'm instead, I just want to focus on singing the praises of Cornelius Johnson, who had uh, some some truly difficult catches. And it's easy to miss him. Like last year, obviously, those two huge touchdown uh, catches, uh, big plays, none of that this year. There, other than Blake's run, there was no uh, real, real big plays out of Michigan. And so it's easy to miss what Cornelius Johnson did, uh, but he just kept moving the sticks for us. Uh, we we go to that last drive, maybe that's what stands out the most, and, and that third down catch uh, that, of course, Ohio State people were, were crying for uh, pass interference. Uh, it was very physical, you know. I Obviously, I'm very biased, so because it wasn't called, I'm like, yeah, that was the right call. If Marvin Harrison Jr. had done that to Will Johnson, I probably would not have been as sanguine about it. But uh, at the end of the day, he just made some some really difficult catches. Oh, and then on that same drive, right, when J.J. throws it across his body and you're just like, no, 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 no. <gasps> yes. Right. Because he uh, he brings that ball down. And, and that's a hard that's a difficult catch like that. It, it was only like a five yard pass or whatever. But that is that's a super hard uh, pass to catch and so uh yeah he he just just appreciating um, him as a senior another guy that came back um probably i don't know if he'll be an nfl player but just a guy that's given his all for michigan uh and so we just want to celebrate him not just in the in the huge moments like catching a wide open touchdown pass in 2022 but catching a difficult you know middle of the field moving the sticks catch uh, or that one on the sideline where he Michigan, I was glad ran up and, and hiked the ball. I think it was a catch. I think it was still a catch, but I think that that was the right play. Uh, even if it was just a two yard run, because you guaranteed that, that it wasn't going to get over overturned. So anyway, Cornelius Johnson, love you, man. So glad that, that you came back and, and helped us win this game. Yeah. I think everyone on the offense made at least one big impactful play, even if we didn't have one guy like CJ last year, go top to bottom and, and dominate. And even if our play calling at times seemed a little off, 
Um, obviously, we went for it on the fourth downs we needed to, which was great. So credit to the coaching staff for putting guys in opportunities to succeed in critical moments. Obviously, JJ had some all-world throws, whether it was for a touchdown or a five-yard pass that made us all squeam a little bit. Uh, Roman's touchdown and his performance overall. Donovan Edwards with a halfback pass. Blake Corum with a big touchdown run. Uh, Colston Loveland with sure hands on every play. AJ Barner with a couple of just timely catches. CJ with incredible hands in critical spots. And um, Alex Orgy getting in, making a big play. And no turnovers. No turnovers. We played it clean. And so I, I just think collectively you look at that. And then obviously with Zinner going down, how the offensive line rotated and made like the offense, although we didn't have the you know big play after big play or anything like that, everyone made a critical play at a crucial moment in the game. And it was, it was really beautiful to see. I loved it. All right. It's that time. We do it every week. The ATW awards of the week. Nate, who are you giving your ATW award in the final regular season game to against an Ohio State? Well, I'm glad you guys said a couple of other names because Cornelius Johnson and Colson Lovell were two other people. I was just like, oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, this game, it was just like, who else do we give a game ball to? I know I'm glad you said Ben Herbert, too, because I don't know if you saw every player at the end of that game hugging him. And Trent A. Jones and him had an embrace that was like 12 seconds long. And it was just like this big brother to these bears of men that are just mammoths that he has just poured his soul into so uh yeah there's just so much love to give man um has to be for me blake the great blake Gorham has never been healthy for this game came back for this game came back to win this game and he scored um i'm glad you brought up the joel clatt podcast and his breakdown of the unfortunate injury to our captain of the offensive line zach zinter um and the 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 emotional toll that puts on you as a as a brother as a as a player and uh yeah uh blake's run right after that injury man holding up the six five he doesn't celebrate himself he doesn't put things on him to be like look at me look at us he immediately goes to the camera knew exactly what he wanted to do and hasn't had a big run all day right then he breaks off that run right after the injury and puts a six and a five up into the camera lens and shouts out his brother. And I just thought, man, Coram just such embodies this team. He embodies the leadership that exists in that locker room and on that field. And he is easily, for me, the player of the game, though JJ had his best game. I thought a lot of guys had their best game. And a specific shout out to another senior that isn't Zach Zinter. Zach actually had a little bit of a tougher game um and a tough assignment this is the best defensive line across the board that we faced but trevor keegan is the reason that that run outside of quorum's natural ability and his breaks which by the way his legs look better in this game than i've seen him all year he had a few runs with his cuts that were just beautiful um but trevor keegan had the highest grade pff of the day for our offensive line. And you could tell, I mean, he was motivated and inspired and he moved offensive linemen. They're going to be starting in the NFL next year, or maybe in a couple of years, depending on what they decide to do. But uh shout out to him as well. But Blake Corum, leadership, ability, 
and others first mentality that he brings to the table as the ATW player of the game for the game. I love it. Fitting, very fitting. Cousin Kyle, what was the ATW big mistake of the week? Yeah, let's let's take it beyond the game itself and let's just say let's just speak some truth. And that is that Ohio State fans might be some of the most miserable people on earth. Because, listen, in my lifetime, you know, I'm an old man. Uh, throughout the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, <clears throat> Ohio State has never known, like, true despair. Like, they have never experienced true despair. They have no Rich Rodriguez's. Right, they have no Brady hoax in their in their cupboard. Uh, they have had one year of of Luke Fickle. That then, were able to luck into one of the greatest coaches, and tyrants, of of this generation of, of coaches in Urban Meyer. Right, like Ryan Day is is mortal compared to Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer is. Again, one of the, one of the greatest coaches of, of this time, and uh, Brian Day has. It's easy to make fun of him as a Michigan fan, but he has an eighty nine percent winning percentage. Uh, he has now he, his record against top ten teams is certainly not good. Um, in fact, I think Sharon Moore might have more top ten wins as a coach than certainly than James Franklin does, but I think maybe even Ryan day uh, he's one and three now against, against Michigan. Okay. But like these people are talking about him because you know, that's it. He's had the audacity to lose three games in a row to Michigan. And they've been so conditioned over the last like 15 years to think that this is the natural state of things. And they clearly don't remember the John Cooper. Are they, well, maybe they do remember the John Cooper years in some way, but like, we grew up watching Michigan win this game more often than not. Like that was our childhood. And in the eighties, it was relatively even the seventies. It was relatively even. Uh, and the sixties wasn't because of Woody Hayes. Right. So like, this is a relatively even series and these people are, are acting like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to them because they have no real perception of what life is like just in a sports related sense, you know, and obviously there are rational Buckeye fans. There's, there's a handful of them and, and they probably understand that, but like overall it's what they really need to do. And I mean this in all sincerity is they need to lose like Michigan did. They need a rich Rodriguez because that'll give you some, some beautiful perspective on life. That is to enjoy the good years. It'd be easy to look back on 2021 and complain that Michigan lost to Michigan State and just, you know, because of, of Tom Fullery and just be like, oh, well, this, that, what a, what a waste of a season. No, it wasn't a waste. It was awesome. We won, you know, 11 games, 12 games, won the Big Ten Championship, beat Ohio State. It was awesome. We enjoyed every weekend because we knew that you're not guaranteed every weekend. And that's what these people need. So their mistake is 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 to exist in a world where they're just unhappy. They're one of the best programs of all time. Be happy about that. Have have pride in that. Don't don't whine and, and cry constantly 
uh, about Ryan Day because you're so entitled that you think you should win everything. Go enjoy some life. So that's 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 our big mistake. I do have to throw in a honorable mention big mistake, and that is the Ohio State Buckeyes official Twitter account tweeting <laughs> out a video of their team's pregame dance circle that no one seemed into at all. And it's just awful, coupled with Ryan Day mosh pits and jumping up and down. And it just looks like the players are like, please, please just stop. You know, he's not Jim Harbaugh where Jim every game, even if we're playing, you know, Central Michigan uh, or, you know, uh, UNLV, it doesn't matter who we're playing. He's going to slap the quarterback shoulder pads and hype up and do his thing. Um, Ryan Day, just don't do that. Just don't, please don't do that. Um, that, is, that is fair. That's a fireable offense, but but the other stuff, just yeah, get some perspective. Get some perspective. And I agree. Uh, you know, we we lost nine in a row, if you do recall. And uh it was it was pretty dark, pretty dark days because not only were we losing the game, we weren't winning a lot of other games um either. My ATW award, there's gonna be a, a co-awarding of winners on special teams. First off, Tommy Doman. We expected it. 71-yard punt. Another one that he pinned them deep in a critical moment. Flipped the field well during this whole game. Um, you know, he did have the kickoff that went out of bounds, which was not great. But he pushed their average starting, you know, yardage back way above an average punter. Um, crushed it. Looked all American in this game from the punting perspective. But let us not forget James Turner, who has often Alexa is also Alexa off. Alexa's trying to play some James Turner songs here, but let us not forget James Turner. 50, 38 yards, 37 yards, three for three on field goals. He was unproven commodity for us you know we had a lot of question marks in the kicking game he hasn't you know had to be kicking in really that many big moments the wind was swirling on Saturday too um and so that was absolutely bizarre of how the wind just kept kind of kept changing directions it messes with you mentally as a kicker and to be honest um I I had my doubts I had my doubts even on the 37 you know the 37 yarder towards the end of the game I had my doubts and uh, he put us up six in a critical moment. And so the co-award winners for special teamer of the week goes out to James Turner and one big leg, Tommy Doman. And uh, I can't wait to see the show, the showdown between Tommy Doman and Tory Taylor. If Michigan does in fact have to punt in this game coming up against Iowa. So congrats to those guys. It was awesome seeing special teams come together in such a way. All right. On to Iowa. Big Ten Championship here in Indy. Preview and predictions. Nate, get us in. Well, I can't think of a bigger segue than to talk about special teams as we uh, prepare for the Big Ten Championship and the punting specialists of the world, Iowa. So it's going to be Tommy Doman versus Troy Taylor. Um, probably going to be the punter of the year, uh, Ray Guy Award for College Football Awards. So that's their best player. Um which is all great for them. 
but real for us to understand. Um, Iowa football, we're going to call this Brian's Swan Song because it's Brian Ferentz's farewell Big Ten tour. Um, however, I think we should understand something. Kirk Ferentz, who's this you you know steely-faced Midwestern, seen a lot of winners face coach uh, that's at Iowa, he cried at the end of the game when they beat Nebraska in a I can't even recap that game. It's so hysterical. But we all saw it. It was Friday night. If you wish to enjoy the last three minutes of that game, please do so. Um, go to YouTube, whatever. But this is uh, Kirk Ferentz, in my personal opinion. I think all their emotions are done. Uh, he cried at the end of that game. He knew like they, they've arrived because he knew they were playing the winner of Ohio State-Michigan, and he knows. This is the best coaching job I think he's ever done. They lost their starting quarterback. They're two top tight ends. And um, he's got Nate Stanley minus back there with Deacon Hill, who looks like a middle-aged man. He's chunky. He doesn't really have a great arm. Um, I'm sure he's a nice kid. Um, he's probably a decent leader. But no, come on, man. This is the worst division in college football I think I've ever collectively seen. Um, they're 10-2. and two. They've won the games they're supposed to win. They've also lost Cooper DeGene, who's going to be a top 15 pick in the NFL draft next year. They got jobbed. That's the crazy thing, is they should be 11-1. <laughs> so they should have been Minnesota, and he ran it back, and it was a weird call. But this team should be 11-1. But the College World Playoff continues to rank them at the exact same spot every week because they're just beating the, the biggest uh, dummies, tackle dummies you've ever seen. So anyway... The game is going to be really bad for them because Jim Harbaugh is coming back. He's going to get the trophy from Petiti. That's why we're all tuning in. Iowa, I promise it's not you. It's us. We are going to destroy you. It's going to be very bad. Um, We're going to win 42 to 8. The time of possession is going to be brutal. I don't really see any positive integers on the side of the offensive football outside of a few, few linemen. But that's our strength as a team. And I think our defensive tackles are better than their offensive linemen. There's this kid named Castro who's a defensive back in Iowa that's good. But you have to avoid him because the replacement for Cooper DeGene is a true freshman. So it's not great. But Iowa City, uh, you know, you did it. You, you did the farewell tour of the Big Ten West. But, uh, yeah, enjoy this. Uh, hang out with some friends. Do a casual diner. Bring the good wine and uh, and celebrate the trophy from Jim Harbaugh, receiving that from Tony Petiti. And I hope he gives him a good long hug and whispers in his ear, I knew it was you, and just kisses him on the forehead. That'd be great. Um, that's that's my hope and expectation for this game. I absolutely love it. Cousin Kyle, on to Iowa, in Indy, preview and predictions. Yeah, I mean, Iowa, Iowa's Iowa. You know, I, I think it's a tougher game than at first glance, just because Iowa does has a great defense, and more importantly, we just got to be emotionally exhausted, right? Like this, this has just been such a roller coaster of a season, uh, mentally. And last week was was a very physical game, like it it it, it really was. I, I think Jim Harbaugh said that that was the best Ohio State team that they've faced. I don't think that's true, like ever, but certainly of the last three years, hysterically, that was. Wow the toughest Ohio state team we faced. And that was a team without CJ Stroud. <laughs> but so I think, you know, we're, we're probably banged up. 
Uh, with that being said, Michigan should still win easily because Iowa has no offense to speak of. Um, Eric All, who has been injured since like October 14th, is still their leading receiver on the year. And he's not played in, in half their games. Um, so, you know, it, I felt in August we were destined to play this game because of what Cade had said on his way out the door and, and his overall attitude, which Nate kind of alluded to earlier. For our part, Michigan players all week have been saying, man, we can't wait to see those guys. How cool is it? Very, I mean, JJ was asked about it, you know, I think was kind of trying to be baited into maybe saying some spicy things. And he was just like, nah, you know, he's like, that, just all, all the integrity in the world. And then Kate is like, couldn't even call us Michigan. He's like, I'm going to tell every, you know, I know, I know everything about them. And it's like, well, yeah, they're going to hand the ball off to Blake Corp. That's what you did. You're going to hand the ball off to, you know, Hassan Haskins. That's what you did. I mean, Listen, at, at the end of the day, I want to remember Cade's season in 2021 with a lot of uh, fondness, and he just makes it hard every time he opens his mouth. Uh, and I'm sorry that he feels like he maybe didn't get a fair shake, but I think everyone on the outside feels like you did. So with that being said, uh, we we wish best of luck to Eric Hall and, and Cade McNamara, uh, even though they're hurt, very sad about that. I think Michigan wins 28-3. to three. Major League Soccer used to have and recently brought back at the All-Star Game something called Goalie Wars. The goals are like 30 yards apart, and they can throw, punt, and kick against the other goalie to try and score goals. In order to make this game more even for Iowa, I propose, in lieu of playing the game, that we have Tommy Doman square up against Tory Taylor in a Goalie Wars matchup for all times. I bet Iowa fans would be very excited about their chances, especially with Cade McNamara giving away all of Tommy Doman's goalie war secrets by taping it on to Tory Taylor's water bottle behind the goal like a World Cup goalie. In all seriousness, I think there's a lot of emotional energy uh, that has been expended in recent weeks. Uh, so maybe it'd be better to have the goalie wars. I still think Tommy Doman would come out on top. But uh, with the emotional energy in the real football game that we will play, uh, you know, with uh, no Harbaugh going into Penn State on the road, you know, a very kind of gruesome win at Maryland, a uh, tough physical game against Ohio State. Um, I think the Big Ten title game is a trap game, uh, even with Coach Harbaugh coming back. Um, but we are playing Iowa. We're banged up. Will Johnson, Zinter, um, ding, you know, obviously uh, Zinter out. Uh, O-line is dinged up, tired against a stout Iowa defense. But Iowa does not have an offense. They have a great punter. I think this game will feel dominated by Michigan, but might only have like two to three possessions per half as Iowa tries to play ball control, kneeling on first, second, and third down, even when they're losing. I think it's a grinder. Michigan wins 23 to three and takes home the big 10 championship three years in a row headed for the college football playoff. Can't wait for it. It's going to be amazing. Going to be amazing boys. Here we are again, three years in a row right here in the big 10 championship. Who would have thought it's a beautiful sight. 
any parting thoughts, boys, as we get ready uh, to embrace this weekend's game? Well, you've, you've guaranteed that Fox is going to have to do score timeout right, or score timeout kickoff timeout every time because so much time will be, you know, drained off the clock uh, on these drives. And it should be probably about a two, two and a half hour game that commercials will will take about an hour at least. Uh, so thanks, Fox. Thanks. Uh, good thing that you're keeping everyone from watching your videos online uh, and keeping people from sharing them. And, you know, also good job on not sharing any revenue with the college players so that you can squeeze in yet another three minute, 19 million people watched Michigan, Ohio state. And I'm pretty sure the, the commercial breaks were a good 30 to 60 seconds longer than they normally are. So ruthless capitalist. Right. I want to see a backfield of Alex Orgy, Khalil Mullings and Blake Corum with Donovan Edwards in the slot and Roman <laughs> on the edge. And then let's just run one series like that and see what happens. That's what I want to say. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for tuning in. As always, this is All Things Wolverines. We'll break down the Big Ten Championship game next week and start previewing what's going to be happening, hopefully, in a great bowl game. We'll talk to you next time on All Things Wolverines. 